on episode 15 of the Insure Tech Geek podcast, talking about the role of exosuits in insurance with Matthew Marino from HeroWare. Sure Tech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific technologies that we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Friday, happy Good Friday! Tell you what, it is Good Friday. Rob Galbraith, how you doing, Rob? Well, great, James. How you doing? Man, outstanding. It's a beautiful day in Texas. We had uh, what they would say in West Texas was a downright turd floater yesterday. That means uh, it rained. <laughs> it rained so much. It was insane. This giant front that came through and it shook the house and rumbled for about a good hour. Uh, thankfully nothing got torn up, but, uh, it, uh, washed everything down. It's a beautiful day today. And, uh, I'm excited about, uh, doing some Easter egg hunting coming up on Sunday with the old kiddos. We managed to get our hands on some, uh, white eggs and, uh, and, uh, found some egg dye. It was a little harder than expected to find all that. So we get prepped for Easter. Are you getting all ready? We are. My wife, uh, actually miraculously had everything we needed before everything kind of shut down. So, uh, and you're lucky you got those eggs, right? Cause I hear the eggs are going to be super rare as they all try to make a coronavirus vaccine. Out yeah. Them. Yeah. It's great. It's wild eggs. Uh, we actually bought chickens. Uh, and so I've got four chickens in a coop now and we're counting on them to make some eggs because, uh, I am a big fan of the egg and the thought of having an egg shortage is a little bit much for me to deal with. And so I'm, oh, we're making our own now. <laughs> That's a good hedge. That's a good hedge. James. It is, you know, I mean, you know, all we got to do is get some chicken feeds. Uh, I was like, okay, well now are they going to be short on chicken feed? Because <laughs> I was like, hey, if I just have a supply chain problem, then I still have a supply chain problem. <laughs> So uh, anyway, it's a good day. We're excited to talk about uh, technology and to geek out. Uh, we've got Matthew Marino here for, uh, joining us from Portland, Oregon. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. We're, we're, we're excited to have you on. We're excited to talk about exosuits uh, and how they impact the insurance business. They have a pretty big impact, actually, on risk management and safety. And uh, we're going to chat about that before we dive into what HeroWare does. And before we deep dive on the technology, let's talk about you. Your current job is Director of Ergonomics and Human Factors at HeroWare. You are, I believe, one of the first employees hired there. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Awesome. And, uh, and you're, you're uh, needless to say, extremely involved in the product development. But before that, you had a very interesting career. And I would just love to know... Where were you born and raised, and what did you intend to go into as a field of study, and how did you wind up at HeroWare? Yeah, sure. I was born in Huntington. I grew up in Huntington Station on Long Island in New York. I went to school for physical therapy at Northeastern University in Boston, and I intended to uh, you know, be a physical therapist for professional athletes or you know, something super exciting like that. But um, 
What I ended up doing was working with a lot of patients on the chronic pain side of physical therapy, treating patients that had gotten injured at work 25 years prior, and they were just trying to play around a golf, or they wanted to play with their grandkids without back pain. And I realized that um, there was just a huge population of people out there that were living with chronic pain, and I wanted to try to do the best I could to help them with that. I then got an opportunity to work on the other side of that problem and started to do injury prevention work, ergonomics, really, ergonomics consulting with a company called Precare at the time, now Briotics Health. And that was refreshing because now a lot of these people, hopefully that um, might get injured at work, if we do the right things in the workplace to improve the physical demands of their job and reduce the risk for, their, for injuries, uh, maybe we don't have to see them in the clinic for physical therapy. So that's when my career took a, a sharp turn away from the sort of clinical side treating patients, although I was still doing on-site physical therapy when people had workers' comp claims and they wanted to get treatment in the workplace. I'd basically bring the clinic to the workplace and do the treatment there. But um, really, the focus became more on ergonomics and injury prevention. So uh, from there, I guess fast forward a few years and my first kiddo was born and he has cerebral palsy. And so I started to look into, let's just say, future technology that might have an impact on his life. And that's actually how I discovered exoskeletons in the first place, Um, devices that for him would help with things like walking, some of the basic things that we all do every day. And at the time, the technology was still pretty immature, but I kept my eye on it. And then in 2015, Uh, with a Briotics Health client, we began to start looking at occupational exoskeletons, these devices that are intended to reduce the risk for injury for workers. And obviously, my interest in exoskeleton technology was there, really like a passion was there even before those types of devices came along. So it was a natural fit. And I started to do a lot of work with um, companies and workers that wanted to try these technologies at that time. And the volume of work in that space gradually increased every year, uh, really steadily, I should say. And, um, you know, here we are today now. And uh, I am the Director of Ergonomics and Human Factors with HeroWare, and I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of this company. What excited you about HeroWare versus, I mean, there, there's there's quite a few companies that, that make exoskeletons. And let's just briefly differentiate it. Exoskeleton can tend to be a little bulkier. looks like you're wearing a robot, whereas an exosuit uh, is generally soft and fabric, correct? That's, uh, I believe, what you said uh, before the show. Yeah, yeah. An exoskeleton is, is really any wearable device that uh, augments or assists physical activity through some kind of interaction with a human's body. And rigid devices, these uh, you know more robotic mechanical systems, would fall under that definition, but there's a derivative term, uh, exosuit, and exosuits are basically exoskeletons that are made up almost entirely of soft materials, more akin to the clothing that we would wear on a daily basis. 
So it would arguably be more comfortable to wear, potentially more lightweight and uh, a little more compatible with uh, with outerwear and other uh, type of protective clothing. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. The um, the soft systems definitely have some of those advantages, and uh, that's one of the things really that did attract me to HeroWare as a company because. They were taking a completely different approach at the laboratory um, at Vanderbilt University where Carl Zellick and uh, some of the, the students and grad students there had been developing this technology for a number of years. So let's uh, just briefly before we move on to the product, um, you have a, a child with CP. Have you been able to actually use some of the products that you've manufactured to help your kid out? The products that we manufacture at HeroWare are not designed for um, medical purposes or for treating kids like mine with cerebral palsy or movement disabilities, no. So our, our technology is really geared towards workers and um, the jobs and tasks that are performed in occupational settings. There are other types of exoskeletons out there, medical devices that are being developed now for, for kids like mine. So I'm optimistic, uh, very hopeful that that type of technology gets better and evolves to a point where my son will benefit from it sometime, hopefully soon, uh, but certainly in his lifetime. That's awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to be a tech optimist uh, just because I've seen medical innovations so radically improve people's lives in so many areas that I, I do believe, and I have some, some friends who have children with CP, and um, it's, it's been amazing just the, tr- the different treatments that are available that weren't 20 years ago. Uh, the way it's approached, the therapies. I mean, there's there's so much to that. And I, I don't want to uh, deep dive too much into personal business, but I, 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 I'm just fascinated when people have a, 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 you know, a personal issue, they turn into a life calling and a passion and then, then a business, right? And that's, that's, uh, that's really, really neat that, that, that you um, focused that energy and that interest into, into protecting workers, right? Because that, at the end of the day, workers generally, and I've, I've done a lot of work in the insurance business and as it relates to risk management, the, it's hard to get through um, to construction workers about doing additional steps, wearing additional things. It, it was hard to get them to wear just eye protection, head protection, reflective gear, right? I mean, it's it's a challenge. They view it as a hindrance. And so, um, it's, it's, but it's really important because, uh, what you, what we've seen in, in many industrial settings in particular in construction and manufacturing is that when workers hit their mid forties, their bodies just start to break down and, uh, they can't do nearly as much as they could. They have restricted range of motion. There's all kinds of work related injuries that come up. And, um, and, and, uh, that's really what this is, at least for me, what it's about. I would love to hear what what y'all's ultimate end game is about with your with your workers that you're helping out. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that sometimes people don't realize that a technology, especially a new technology, can help them until it's too late, until they're the person with the chronic back pain that is needing to go to the physical therapy clinic for treatment. And that's something that we'd ideally like to change And I think that a lot of that is going to have to come through education and awesome podcasts like this that hopefully people will listen to and getting the right, let's call them collaborators on board, uh, the insurance industry, the government, academia, the end user companies, the exoskeleton producers, get everybody together 
to try to help solve these problems. The the end game really for me and, and I think for HeroWare too is to get access to these types of technologies to people, workers who do physically demanding work every day and try to help them reduce their risk for injury and hopefully prevent injuries so that they can go home and do the things that they love to do and have more energy at the end of the day, right? I mean, these are these are the things that are really important to people. It's, um, you know, they, they need to be able to go to work. They need to be able to continue to provide for their family, but they also need to live a happy, high quality life. And, and that's what we're trying to achieve by producing technology like ours. Awesome. And Rob, I may have edged into your question. I'm sorry, but I would love for you to follow up. Sure. Yeah, I know. Um, really great stuff, Matt. Um, thanks for, for sharing. Um, I was wondering, um, Maybe you can just go into a little bit more detail specifically about uh, HeroWare and these exosuits. And then I'm also interested, what is your approach as far as a go-to-market? Are you trying to work with employers? Are you trying to you know, kind of make this awareness to, uh, to workers, maybe uh, unions or others? Are you looking to work with insurance carriers and their loss control departments? Uh, I'd love to, to know more just about the product and then how um, you're getting the word out. Yeah, sure. The origin of the company really, really began at Vanderbilt University with some work that Carl Zellick and his students were doing in in their laboratory and, and their engineering programs there. And you know, I think it's it's uh, maybe funny to say this, but I think Carl blames his children because um, you know when his kids were little, he was having to bend down and pick them up and started to experience uh, more back pain than he had before in his life. And I think that may be one of the reasons that um, the whole idea for the back assist exosuit that they worked on, that's how that really came to be. Um, but then they, they started to talk to folks in the industries, start to talk to workers, started to understand user needs. And they really saw that there, there was a great need for designing technology that could help to reduce the risk for back injuries. Um, back injuries are going to impact, you know, or back pain, I should say, is going to impact 80% of people at some point in their life. So, you know, I'm sure between the, the few of us that are talking today, at least one or two of us have had back pain. I, I certainly have myself. So this was definitely a problem that I was interested in solving too. And originally, the the devices that they were working on at Vanderbilt had uh, batteries and motors, and they were powered systems, uh, more like some of those like devices that you'd classically think of being an exoskeleton, you know, like an Iron Man type of suit. But um, what they started to hear from customers, and, and what I've heard in my experience with the technology as well, is that um, the simpler, the better. In a lot of cases, people don't want to be bothered with having to charge batteries and uh, with the complexity and the weight of powered systems and motors and actuators and things like that. So um, ultimately, they they shifted course and went down the path of designing a fully passive system, meaning that there's no batteries, no motors, um, no reason to have to plug it in and charge it up at the end of the day. Something super simple that's, um, you know, really a lot like the clothing that people wear already. So we get into that space where it's more normal for people than having to wear a machine around. And and that was some of the, the vision. The other big thing, too, with, with the origin of the product was to 
design something that really first and foremost gets out of people's way. Because when you look at exoskeletons, we all expect them to assist people. And they certainly do. And exoskeleton companies, all of the companies really are great at designing technology that can assist people. But when you look at how often or the percentage of time of a work shift where somebody actually needs that assistance, it's more like 10% of the day. And they're doing other stuff for more like 90% of the day. So really, we need to be designing technology that can get out of people's way most of the time, but provide them assistance on call when they need it. And and that's the approach that they really started to take with the technology. And I think that's one of the big, one of the big differentiators uh, for our technology. And then as far as like getting back to your question about how are we trying to get the word out and, and who are we trying to work with? Uh, we, of course, want to work with uh, companies and their workers. I mean, these are the the users of the technology. Um, we also are very interested in collaborating and working with the insurance industry as well, because I think the insurance industry is in a really unique position to transform access to this type of technology. Um, they really are such important stakeholders that um, if there's anything that we can do to partner and collaborate with um, insurance companies and, and the industry as a whole, we're totally open for that and, and look forward to that. In fact, um, I wrote an article for the Risk and Insurance Insider publication recently that folks can can look up. If you have show notes, you can put a link to it in there. But um, yeah, those are those are definitely ways that we're trying to get the word out and, and trying to um, to work with the industry and to our end users. Well, yeah, they're true. I mean, they're stakeholders in a very true sense of the word. They actually have a stake in the outcome financially. And uh, there's going to be claims that result of this if the worker is uh, injured as a result of you know, the interesting thing about these type of, of you know, rep- repetitive motion, and I, I've had a, a a few unfortunate major injuries, um, ankles, back, I, I fractured the bottom of my spine, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff, not work-related. Uh, mine was all exercise-related, but uh, I, uh, and I, you know, broke the bottom four vertebrae off of my spine and had them removed. So uh, how about that? I'm not spineless. I'm less spine. Um, it's... Uh, it's a it's a challenge. So I've had to deal with I've had to deal with injury and recovery. Now I, I remember it was a really good. Um, I split my time between Texas and Michigan, and I was with a physical therapist that I saw in Michigan, and he said, you know, when load exceeds capacity, you have injury. And no one had ever just right. no one had ever just laid it out that simple for me. And we watched a video that he had on the internet about load and capacity, and he said we need to reduce your load and, 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 you know, increase your capacity. Like there's, you know, and we got to get it back in balance and, you know, your load exceeded your capacity. And that's, that's that simple statement. What you're, what you're doing with workers is increasing, um, with, with exosuits, exoskeletons, I think increasing capacity, you're also reducing load. You're, you're doing both at the same time because you, you know, it depends on the, on the exosuit, right? I mean, some will actually allow you to lift more, some aid you in the existing lift, uh, but they reduce, the the load and the stress on your frame, which can really manifest itself over a, a period of years, right? Sometimes it does not like an instant injury; it's like a prolonged injury on a worker, which can leave them injured for a long amount of time as well. It can be very difficult to come back from. 
At least that's what we've seen in all of our work comp data, right? It can happen both ways. You can have that um, that acute injury that's just caused by, uh, you know, putting a tremendous load or force on the body, or you can have what people will commonly refer to as cumulative trauma. And that's really just a matter of repetition after repetition of a load that is doable by a worker, but it's causing trauma, micro trauma, and that can add up over time. And you'll see a lot of work in this space from uh, researchers and groups like Auburn University and, and Sean Gallagher and, and uh, Dr. Sean Gallagher and, and, and Dr. Mark Shaw there with their fatigue failure theory. And it's it's not far off from how any mechanical system operates. If you if you put enough cycles of stress on tissues, in, in the case of a human, and you don't have enough recovery time in between, then eventually the tissues can fail. And, and that's absolutely, I think, what your therapist was trying to get across to you. And it sounds like, sounds like they did. Oh, yeah. And it worked. I finally got better. <laughs> it took it took it took a while, but I finally I finally got better. Uh, and there's no, there's nothing better than recovering. Um, I can tell you that because you know you know it to be what to be thankful for. Let's talk about unique value propositions because I've had I, I have two podcasts, this and a construction tech podcast, and and I've had I've had multiple exoskeleton providers on. We've talked to guys from Exobionics. We've talked to folks from uh, a few different uh, companies. What makes this really unique? Like what what sets this apart from every other solution on the marketplace that has a powered or non-powered exosuit or exoskeleton, right? What 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 really makes this special? Yeah, that's a great question. Um so I think it goes back to the philosophy that I was talking about before of first and foremost not getting in people's way and then providing assistance when workers need it. Our product is called the Apex exosuit and it's a lightweight soft clothing like exosuit that's designed to offload the back and hopefully reduce that strain and fatigue and reduce the risk for injuries and we know that back injuries are the number one work-related musculoskeletal disorder the other big thing about the apex is that it's modular so it can fit almost everybody Um, our device is passive which means that there's no motors or batteries or sensors. It keeps things really simple. So this is definitely advantage and something that a lot of customers out there are really interested in. It's just that whole concept of keeping it simple. Um, and our device allows people to move without restrictions. And, and this was a really big thing for me. From the very beginning of my time testing exoskeleton systems, I've been highly focused on what can I do with it? but what can I not do with it? And I've developed a 80 point movement battery, you know, test, you know, a battery of movement tests for these systems. And time and time again, I've, I've tested exoskeletons with this movement system and I can do some movements, but I cannot do more movements than, than you would expect from something that's supposed to be a wearable device that is supposed to not get in people's way. So I think it's it's really important to um, to keep this piece in mind because workers are really sensitive about restricting them, mm-hmm. about getting in their way. And if if you put something on them that you know, say they want to reach behind their back and scratch an itch, but they can't, 
because their arm won't rotate that way, that's going to be a problem for them. Or if you put something on them that, you know, they can't, they can't pivot and move their body a certain way or sidestep, that's going to be a problem for them because that's what they're used to doing every day. So now you're asking them to basically change the way they live their life. And that's going to be unacceptable for a lot of people. So we've really tried to take that approach of not getting in people's way, being able to fit everybody, make it more like clothing, really, something that people are very comfortable and used to wearing on a daily basis. Um, We've, from the very beginning, had females in mind because women make up greater than 50% of the industrial workforce. And a lot of the other exoskeletons on the market are, are unisex and, and they're great devices, but I've been out there time and time again, working with females and they've asked me things like, Hey, don't they make a version of this for women or, you know, things like, how am I supposed to wear this? And, and that was something that from the very beginning hero wear took a different approach. So we have a, a male specific design and a female specific design so that we can fit both genders with equal comfort. And we have, an on-off switch. So not only are we the first company to design devices for females, but we're the first company to design a device, a soft exoskeleton that is quasi-passive, as we would say. It, it allows workers to turn on and off the assistance so that they don't get resistance when they don't want it and they can move freely. But then when they get to a job or task where they want to get the support from the device, they can flip the switch and bingo, they have the assistance. So there's a number of things that I think HeroWare has done really well that differentiate from the rest of the back assist devices that are on the market right now. Awesome. Rob? Yeah, Matt, uh, I'm really glad that you mentioned the part about um, customizing for females, right? Um, and I think that shows the difference we always hear in innovation uh, about a minimal viable product, right? Just get it out there, you know, and, and then kind of start with that and, and build from that. And so for you guys to take that step um, and not just strictly go unisex, um, I think is, is terrific um, and definitely uh, makes sense as a competitive advantage. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you about is, is kind of on that order. There's a big difference between an invention and a product. Um, I see a lot of companies out there where they have a great idea, right? Uh, a great solution. They've uh, correctly identified a problem. Um, they have a good idea for what a solution is, um, but it doesn't actually succeed because they haven't provided some of the support and, and you know, help and assistance, whatever, to, for people to even use it, right? So it's, it really is just that it's an invention, but not a, a full product. And I know you guys have um, the HeroCare 360 support and others. So maybe you can just talk about not just the, the product itself, which we've done a bit at length here, but, um, yeah, what are some of those things that um, you've done to, to make it successful in terms of uh, being adopted in the marketplace? Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, we can, we can design great technologies, but if, if there's reason for them to just sit in a corner and collect dust, then they're not going to help anybody. And, and I think one of the big ways that exoskeleton producers and folks like us at HeroWare can really help our, our customers adopt to the technology is to support every single exosuit that we sell. And we've developed a program called HeroCare 360 that does just that. So 
we are offering to support our clients with anything really that they need in regards to obtaining user acceptance and helping to drive adoption. And this, this includes things like multiple levels of training and support, uh, working with their folks both at the executive level as well as at the ground level at the location. Uh, we would like to train not only their users of the technology, but super users who can really take ownership of exoskeleton programs and integrate them into their comprehensive ergonomics programs. So a lot of companies will already have an ergonomics program of some kind where they go out and they identify risk and they do job analysis and they try to do engineering projects to reduce the level of risk and exposure for workers. And, and I know that the insurance industry is, is involved and very interested in doing this kind of stuff. So we want to help train those super users, those champions, as we might call them, that can really take ownership of not only using the technology themselves, but helping those around them that are going to use the technology too. So that's a big part of the training, those users, those super users, the managers, any other support staff that is involved in what we would call the, the workplace exosystem, everybody that has to support it um, is, is really appropriate to train and, and we're, we have training for all of those people. The other things that we're already thinking about for helping clients adopt these systems are um, systems for storing the devices, for cleaning, disinfecting, and decontaminating the devices, especially uh, this day and age now with what's been going on lately with uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus, and um, really just helping to drive the sustainment of the technology by helping our customers every step of the every step of the way, and delivering like a really good positive customer experience throughout the entire life cycle of the product. Yeah, I love hearing that, Matt. I actually um, teach an MBA class on innovation in the insurance industry and uh, at, at, in the evenings. And um, I actually was talking to my class this past week about building those internal champions, right? If you are a, um, a startup or a company bringing new technology and, and trying to get adoption from insurance companies, you know, you've got to find those kind of true believers within. And uh, we're talking about the idea characteristics of uh, you know, who makes a, an effective champion uh, to, to help you gain adoption. So I, I love that you you reference that. Uh, you, get a, you get an A plus from me. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And, and I like to say, you know, like with champions, as far as getting technology into their hands and driving adoption, we're really, we're really charged with trying to help them win, right? Because their win becomes our win as technology producers and if we don't set them up to win then really we're just setting them up to fail and that's not going to help anybody yeah no it really won't good good comments there Let, let's talk about the product by the numbers because we, we haven't uh, mentioned kind of what this really does from a data perspective uh it weighs 3.4 pounds uh it can take over 50 pounds of strain off the back and so it's a, this is mainly for a, what, a ground up or a waist up lift. That's really where you're, you're um, significantly changing things is on, on lifting operations. Yeah, that's correct. For, for lifting that um, people in the ergonomics or safety profession might say is below knuckle height. 
So if you're standing with your hands by your sides, if the lift is below the level of your hands, that's where this device is very useful for you. Um, but not only lifting, people in a lot of cases have to do work that's just close to the ground. Uh, in some cases, it's underground, like in, uh, in the utility industry with underground meters and things like that. So any job where workers are bending, leaning, or lifting, uh, our Apex exosuit is an appropriate uh, potential solution for that if there's no other potential solution uh, that could be useful for the job or task. Yeah, I mean, I, today I, I was reading an article about an, uh, a powered exoskeleton that was designed for workers that are um, raking asphalt because it's such a labor-intensive, um, intense process to push and rake asphalt on the ground that uh, it actually connects down to the boot uh, and you know has a, a rod that runs up and then has a powered unit that actually helps push and pull the rake um, with their command mm -hmm. and then, then helps take the load off of them as well because it connects all the way down to the ground. So it's kind of the opposite of an exosuit, right? It's it's large and it's it's big and it's powered, but it's also it's also delivering a industrial scale output. And and then you you know you, you look at like the the Robo glove that NASA and GM developed that was a powered power glove. I mean, looks super cool. It looks like it should be on Tony Stark. Um, d delivered a very specific job. So I feel like in science fiction, and you know, I'm a Star Trek nut. Um, we kind of look at like these all in ones, like Commander Data for artificial intelligence. Like we look at AI as general AI. And didn't really think through the fact that like 99% of AI would actually be specific forms of AI, like image recognition and voice recognition. And, you know, eventually it'll amalgamate together into a general AI. And I feel like exoskeletons are on the same path. Like we're going to have like a thousand different exoskeletons for a thousand different use cases. And, you know, depending on what you need. Um, on that note, what's next? I mean, are you going to, are you going to, add another bolt-on module to hold for workers that have to work overhead. That's a major problem is overhead operations. Is that going to be on the list? Is it, what, What's the next big thing for y'all? That's a really good question. There are already a lot of shoulder assist exoskeletons on the market. Uh, big early adopters of those types of devices include the automotive industry and the aerospace industry where people are doing a lot of overhead work. So I'm not sure that that's going to be the next big thing because I feel like there's there's already a lot of options out there to choose from. But um, for us, really, the next big thing is to get our Apex device on a lot of people and really start to listen to them and learn from them to see what it is exactly that we need to do next. You know, I, I think that to say, you know, this is the direction that we're going to go right now is just, it's a little bit too soon for us because this product just got launched last week. So now it's really a matter of making sure that it's awesome, getting feedback from, from real users on it, iterating on it a little bit if we need to, making it even better, and then watching it take off. And then from there, you know, I know we have other ideas of things that we're going to work on, but I'm not really at liberty to share exactly ah, what those are. Just yet. no product releases today, <laughs> Rob. I tried to sneak one no out of them, but... today. <laughs> try, try to get that uh, 
gotta get this right? gotta got gotta get the scoop buddy that's what it's all about exclusive the exclusive the insure tech <laughs> podcast exclusive so. yeah so rob i'd love for you to to uh take it from here yeah no um uh, so just kind of you know wrapping up uh, matt i really appreciate your your time today um you've been a, a great guest um one of the things that i've been hearing a lot in the marketplace is um you know there were a lot of hardware ver- uh, excuse me hardware vendors out there a lot of uh excitement about wearables but more and more i'm seeing this um push kind of everyone saying well i'm going to do it all with mobile phones right i can capture a lot of the same information the same data i can look at like bending, twisting, straining type information simply from the um, accelerometer and, and other um, technology and software in your phone. And everyone's got their phone on them, right? And so you can just download the apps and kind of capture this stuff in real time, whatever. Um, and especially because you're talking about, and I don't know about the, the manufacturing for your exosuits, but, um, you know, global supply chains, you mentioned the kind of COVID-19 coronavirus, whatever. So um, maybe you can just um, give us your thoughts on somebody that is producing like, hardware, physical product, other than kind of software or an app. Um, do you think there is a place in the, in the market for these hardware devices? How do you, would you kind of distinguish that from um, maybe some of the software vendors out there? And then how do you see that kind of um, projecting out in the future? Will there always be a, a place in the market for physical devices such as yours? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there really is just an explosion of different types of technology out there. And there's so many smart people doing awesome work, which is great. I definitely want to see that continue. As far as like sensors and software systems, I have a good amount of experience working with those. And what I've found is that um, that they're great and, and we can get a lot of good information from sensor and software systems, we can answer questions and and unlock secrets that we were really never able to before. But in a lot of cases, these are just tools to help us learn. They're not actual solutions to problems. So I do see there being a need um, ongoing for hardware that is an actual solution to a problem. Like I can put a I can put a sensor on somebody that tells me that they bend all day long. I can also just go out into the workplace and watch them do an ergonomic assessment and basically come to the same conclusion. But I'm still left with the question at the end of the day, how do I solve that problem? How do I help that person avoid having a back injury? And it's solutions like the HeroWare Apex that can help to do that. When there's no other solution when you can't put in a vacuum lift assist system or you can't use a forklift or the situation is just not such that there's any other ergonomic solution or control for a problem, there's definitely going to be a place for exoskeleton and exosuit technologies to help solve those types of problems. And that's where what we're really looking to do today because if you look across so many different industries, there are a ton of jobs that even if you can automate them or get robots to do it, it's so expensive to do, or it's not going to happen for five or 10 years. So what are the workers who do that kind of stuff today supposed to do to extend their careers, to be able to keep doing that job? 
um, to prevent them from going home at the end of the day, beat up and tired. And that's where hardware and solutions like exoskeletons and exosuits and the hero wear apex can really, um, really play a role. And, and that's our hope. Man, what a, what, what a, what a great question. What a succinct, uh, powerful answer, right? Like that you can diagnose the problem or fix the problem is what I'm hearing from you. I was thinking about my, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Texas guy, right? I like a, I have a truck, I have a big Chevy. And I, I remember when my, when my first Silverado, it had collision warning. And so the sensors would beep and then fire a little vibrator in my seat that would shake the seat. If I was going to hit the second uh, Silverado I got actually automatically braked the truck. And that, that's the, that's the difference. Like one, one of these things, you know, just tells me something's going on and diagnoses it. The other thing actually intervenes. And I got to tell you, the intervention saved my bacon twice uh, when I was trying to merge in and the person in front of me slammed their brakes on and I was looking back to see if it was safe to merge. I would have plowed into the back of them both times. And I was, I was at safe spacing, right? But they slammed their brakes on. You guys, you've been in the situation when you're driving and that auto braking system intervened It stopped the truck and I didn't hit them. There's no accident. And I go, that is the most useful piece of technology I have ever put on my truck, <laughs> you know, and and yeah. uh, to to think about it in the same light uh, is really powerful. You know, that, um, you know, the, the pipe dreams and the science fiction dreams that I and every other Star Trek and science fiction fan have about the world continuing to evolve and change are wonderful. And, you know, robots re- tying rebar. I interviewed uh, the guy that invented Tybot. It ties rebar. It's an $800,000 robot that goes on rails, the, the rails that they, they put in when they're putting a, building a bridge. And it literally uses computer vision and it automatically ties all the rebar because tying rebar is a back-breaking job. But that's going to take a decade to really get out into the business. And in between now and then, we still have to build bridges. And so these people that, that are literally bent over all day long tying rebar need help now, right? And, and I think that's the... That's a really good takeaway for our insurance listeners too, is if you want to get your claim counts down now, it's a different set of tools than getting claim counts down later. There are things there there's specific hardware and tools you can implement ASAP that will have an immediate instant impact. And then there's analytics and AI and a whole bunch of other things that'll help you over the next two to five to ten years. And so uh, it's a good kind of takeaway for for the insurance data geeks out there. Uh, I think we tend to think so long term that we forget about some of the immediate solutions that can go into place. Uh, at least that's my my thoughts, Rob. I know you you're you're at a carrier, a work comp carrier, and you have to deal with this all the time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm just thinking. Um, obviously, you know, really tough economic times uh, for folks out there, and an explosion in the unemployment rate of the last three weeks. Um, really tragic to see. Um, obviously, we'll get back to normal, whatever the new normal looks like at some point. But you know, definitely, you know, we keep hearing about all those kind of heroes in the front lines. People we haven't necessarily thought of as being heroes in the past, but folks that are restocking at grocery stores, right? Or that Amazon warehouse worker or whatnot. And so I think there's going to be even more uh, demand for those types of jobs in the future. And so um, this type of technology can absolutely help that types of, of folks. So, you know, shout out to, to all those that have been kind of keeping us fed, keeping us supplied during this difficult time. And um, yeah, I think you're aware, Matt, not that you planned it, uh, your launch or anything uh, to coincide, but um, it feels like a, a, you know, excellent time. And so it's been great to have you on.
Thanks, you guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks both for uh, being on the show today. A really great substantive discussion around exosuits, exoskeletons, uh, technology, innovation. Uh, For our listeners out there, remember, stay positive. This will have an end, like all things. Uh, We don't know when it is. It is best not to fixate on a date because uh, it's a good way to disappoint yourself, but to fixate on the, the hope and the reality that um, what we are all going through together as a planet, all seven plus billion people on this uh, spinning rock, uh, is going to have an end and we will move on. And uh, also an important lesson that uh, worker safety is a real issue right now. And there are actions that can be taken right now is and not even in the middle of a crisis, especially because of the crisis. There's a huge shift to distribution and transportation and factory workers that need these now. It is it is it is real. It is present. It is current. And uh, there are many things that should not wait until a future date because uh, because it's a real issue. So please remember, stay positive. Remember, there is an end date to this and that we uh, we have to keep protecting workers uh, lives health and safety regardless of the circumstances that surround us so thank you all for listening in today uh, and again uh, thank you to uh, Matthew and to Rob for being on uh, the show today and with that Insure Tech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge it's all about technology transforming and disrupting the insurance world I've been your host James Benham with my prestigious co-host, Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, Kara Dalton-Aro, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. I look forward to speaking with you soon. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride. Geek out.